The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the Gurmeister herself, the beast from the not-so-far east, Tammy, the hairy Sasquatch Underwood. Are you still breaking hearts and ripping farts? Um, According to my shirt, yes, because, you know, people who don't know, we record these all in one day, so... <laughs> <laughs> You could help by talking a little bit more into your yeah, fucking I, mic, I though. just don't change my clothes ever. <laughs> no, that's because you're a smelly beast. There you go. Talking to that fucking mic. So you're so stupid. Jesus Christ. Some people's children. You know, you know what? Do <laughs> <laughs> you want me to do this all day? No, then just you kidding. get all muffly. Now i got to edit that shit. <laughs> I was just kidding. That's why I did it. Goddamn Pollock. So anyways... Yeah, so so we're on part two of are. movies that inspire murder. Yeah, exactly. We're on part two, and this is actually going to turn into a three-parter because, like we said in the last episode, all of these instances deserve discussion. You know, it's not something you just say, "Yep, yeah, that happened." You know, that's what I do half the time. <laughs> you got me pregnant. Yeah, yeah that, that happened. happens. It happens. <laughs> that ha- that happens. Not right now, but really, how that happened? Or I say, "New phone, who dis?" <laughs> I literally text that to a friend of mine. They were asking me a question, and I got tired of listening to them. So I go, "New phone, who dis?" <laughs> you know. But um, anyways, so we left off. The last thing we talked about um, in the last episode was Natural Born Killers, correct? And how that movie people tried to sue Oliver Stone and the production company and all that jazz. Remember? And so now this one, this next case, is actually really bizarre because i just read about this inspiring incident incident in briar mitchell's book because it happened when she lived in california and so it was you know stood out to her right and so a guy by the name of george haynard had watched a documentary about this guy named james huberty who was a disgruntled man who went and shot customers at a mcdonald's restaurant in san Ysidro, california on july 18th 1984 he wound up killing 21 people the bizarre thing is that i can't remember if they mention it here but um he literally left his house told his wife and kids goodbye and it's probably the last time they'd see him and he went and drove around for a little bit before going back to the mcdonald's right down the street from his house hey, i totally understand why he did it because McDonald's sucks? No, no because they only they, gave him five they, nuggets. Five. <laughs> five instead of six. Tell you what, you short me on my nuggets, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm going to be strapped, yo. And then they bang, bang, you done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, that I've, now that I've added someone else to my, my, my infamous <laughs> rat group, Gangster Goat. I'm, that is so bizarre, but yeah. <laughs> you like that goat. Come that, on. Dude, I, what I can't get over was the feet. I know. Like the Hobbit feet on this goat and the freaking and the fucking flavor flav hat he had on. And the glasses and the the flavor flav glasses and the the only thing he was missing was that clock necklace. I know, (laughs) man. He would have been awesome. I saw him and I started laughing so freaking hard. And I went, oh my God, I got to send this to Squatch because that is. Dude. Now I have Notorious PIG and I got Gangster Goat. That is one of the ones that I was not mad that you sent it to me so late (laughs) at night. (laughs) Probably in a drunk text, 
But yeah, I wasn't mad at that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's good times, good that times. Was, that was fun. That was hilarious. Kind of wish I didn't have a show tonight, man, because I already want a day drink. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But I don't drink before shows, so. Uh, until you're there. <laughs> no, not even there. I, sometimes I'll have a beer or something, but most of the time oh, it's water. Oh, I was going to say, that one time you had, you had the um, the Orange Jameson? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had some yeah. Orange Jameson, but really I don't drink a whole lot when I'm at shows. Mostly I drink a lot of freaking water. Dude, a lot. Don't I know it, Mister? As I'm uh, as he's up at the microphone in between a song, squats. Get me some water. <laughs> yes. I remember the first time you yelled that. Sherry kind of looked at me like, "What?" I said, "Don't worry. I know what he's saying." Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, unless they like are around us for a long time, don't realize you call me squats normally. Well, that and most people don't realize that you're actually my PA. That's true. So too. that well, Sherry knows, but yeah, well, yeah. That's... I think it was the name that threw her off nah. because I jumped right <laughs> up and she's like looking at me like, "What the hell?" I go, and then I explained. I said, "That's what he calls me." <laughs> I'm not even. I don't even have a first name anymore. <laughs> so, anyways, apparently this guy, this George, had also watched the movie Fisher King, which was released in 1991. And directed by Terry Gilliam, and it starred Jeff Bridges and Robin Williams. Oh. And in which a fan of a despondent shock rock talk radio host. Um, let's see. Who do we know that does that? That's Stern all the way. <laughs> um, takes a man's remarks very seriously and goes to a restaurant and opens fire murdering numerous diners. Right. Then the DJ takes a downhill turn and to redeem himself tries to assist a homeless man who lost his wife in that massacre. So it kind of takes a, you know, it's like a tragedy that they try to make better. That's probably why I didn't watch it. Yeah, I never saw Fisher King either. But then I have a hard time watching Robin Williams in serious movies. Yeah, me too. Like uh, Goodwill Hunting was really, I mean, I liked that movie, but it was kind of weird seeing him. But then there's also that one. And I can't remember the name of it. Is it Insomnia or something like that? Where he's actually a photographer who kills people. And it's like, that movie scared me. <laughs> I still want to see that one. I yeah, it's like actually that. really, really good. And I can't, re- I don't know if Insomnia is the right name because I know there's a movie, but I don't know if that one's it. But then I look back and one time when I was frying on acid, I watched Toys with Robin Williams. And I cannot watch it again because it weirded me out because everything was so bizarre. Because <laughs> it's like there's a part where the legs stretch out. And I was like thinking that was really happening. No, you want, you want to know a good movie to watch? Huh? Okay, here's what you do. I don't drop acid anymore, but I will take some shrooms. I was going to say, should I go get some shrooms? Shrooms all the way because the acid just hits me too hard now. Well, yeah, and but... not just that. Yeah, I don't want to have any hallucinations anymore. <laughs> but Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh! That is the perfect one. You know what? Oh I my went God. and saw the Pink Floyd laser light show at OMSI, oh, but yeah. I was stoned. And it was just like transcending. I couldn't imagine doing it like tripping on shrooms. Oh yeah, no, totally. You know, that's just like one thing you're like, no, dude. Um, but anyways, so apparently this tale about Hubert... Mingled with the images, you know, of shooting into a restaurant, which then, like, what's the word I'm looking like? It, like, I guess exacerbated is the best word, but some people don't understand that. That his his own anger, George's own anger. So he decided to make a public as public of a statement as Huberty did. He had a habit of taking talking in a way that made people already think he was a little crazy. 
Scott. Um, <laughs> he tells strangers things like, I mean, he'd be walking down the street and tell absolute strangers. I want you to tell everyone that if you don't quit messing around my house, something awful is going to happen. You know, like he's so paranoid that everybody he sees is trying to screw with him, right? They probably are. Yeah. So that reminds me of one time I was walking downtown Portland. And this lady came up to me and says, you have any bike? And I'm like, what the hell do I look like to you? Oh, my God. No, I got a story about that. So um, our producer over at Oyster Brine, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Um, he's originally from New York. And uh, like we're talking like I think, I think he was uh, from the, I must say the Bronx or it was something like that or maybe Queens. But anyway, his dad was a cop, yada, yada. And he said, it's the weirdest thing. I was in downtown Portland. And so here's what happens in New York. When the crazy people start following you, you turn around and you give them the crazy eyes. And you go, what? What do you want? And, and, and Matt is not a big guy. He's a small no, guy. No, no. I've met him. He's like yeah, shorter he's, than you and I both. So. Yeah. And they'll turn around and go, nothing, man. And they walk away. He goes, I tried that here in Portland. And the guy just looked at me and goes, I'm just following you. Dude, probably with those weird-looking eyes, too, that Portlanders have. Yeah, it scared Dude. the shit out of Matt. And Matt's not afraid of shit, man. Well, He's from know, New York, for fuck's sakes. Yeah, I mean, I'm from the Midwest, but not a lot of stuff scares me because I always walk around like I have confidence that nothing's going to happen to me. <laughs> and then generally it doesn't. However, there have been times when you can walk, especially now, walk in downtown Portland or over there in Chinatown, Old Town area, and it's like, People give you a look, and you're like, I'm going to die right now. You know, they are going to murder me. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, totally. definitely, definitely. You know, but, yeah, when, when he told me that, I had to laugh my ass off. I said, man, it's a different kind of crazy out here. Like, seriously, because there's, like, the unspoken rules of everywhere you go. Like, right. if you're if you're in the South and you're in Atlanta and it's another white guy, you know, and you turn around and you go, dude, why y'all follow me? I'll send you to Jesus. And they'll go like, oh, I'm sorry. And then they'll, they'll, they'll usually disappear. In New York, you give them the crazy eyes. Here, it doesn't matter. You can pull out a cannon <laughs> and go, I'll blow you away with this cannon. You can try, but I think I'm immortal because I live here in Portland and I'm totally liberal. And I'm a vegan. I have a <laughs> superpower. Rawr! And you're like, oh, shit. No, I better run. No, I'll you. find where you live. And then you live the next six months, you know, like jerking awake at the odd moments going, was that him? Did he find me? <laughs> weird. Weird as shit. Totally. I can't find the size. I think these are yours. These are, yeah, those are yours. They're bigger than my son's butt. Uh, sorry, I'm doing laundry too. So, for people who don't know why I'm talking about Scott's butt. Um, anyways, so you and, actually, you and Laura actually covered this when I was on, you know, medical leave for a while. But, um, Apparently, he was he was very upset be over something that was happening politically. It was when uh, Supreme Court justice candidate at the time, Clarence Thomas, oh, was yeah, I being remember that. accused by Anita Hill of sexual harassment. Remember? And, right, right, right. Yeah, and so he then took it upon him. I mean, he was very upset about that. And so he disliked any what he called female vipers who went out and harassed men. You know, it's like, okay, you know, you guys scream sexual harassment, but what about you guys harassing us? Which I kind of agree with to an extent. However, he believed that, you know, he had dealt with enough of that in his life. He was tired of it. And right, I mean, on October 15, 1991, the day after his 35th birthday, he got in his blue Ford pickup. Scott. Yeah, I was going to say, and I'm looking out the door it, right now. There's mine. Yeah, and drove it through a plate glass window of Luby's Cafeteria in Kindling, Texas. 
I bet yeah. you he took flight first, and then right. Jennings went, this old boy's fixing to kill some people. <laughs> <laughs> old well, boss hog can't catch know, him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Dukes of Hazzard. No, but this is, I mean, because the episode was the Luby Massacre. Luby's Massacre? Uh-huh. Okay, so he actually hit an elderly man, and the patrons who ran to the victim's aid believed that the whole thing was just an accident. But then he jumped out and went into the restaurant with a Glock 17 automatic and a Ruger P89 and started firing it on everybody, yelling that it was payback day and snarled, take that, to people he shot. Uh-huh. I remember that. Yeah. It's, so he stopped once to reload because he had enough clips of ammunition to spray the weapon so many times across the room. And... For some unexplained reason, he allowed uh, one woman with a child to actually leave the restaurant, although she was forced to abandon her dead mother. Now, one person who escaped later said that he had been smirking the whole time, like he got some insane pleasure out of that, right? Right, right, right. When the police arrived and ordered him to drop his gun, he ignored them, turning his weapons on them. And so, of course, they were forced to fire on him. So two bullets hit him, forcing him to retreat and take cover. Apparently, that's when he realized it was over. So he put one pistol to his head and shot himself. Now, mm-hmm. when people went in, when the police went in, they found 22 people had died and another 23 were wounded on his body. According to an officer by the name of Coleman, they found a ticket. To the Fisher King. So it was like he had just went and saw that movie. While he, although he was a loner, known to be a loner, he had no, like, there was nothing in his life to believe, to, un, to understand why he was so angry, right? He had a nice house. He was fairly good looking. His dad was an, you know, a successful surgeon. He was not the typical person who had any apparent stressor in his life. Yet he had made an appeal to be reinstated in the Merchant Marines, in which he had served for eight years. But that had been denied six months before the incident. But you got to think, okay, you're now 35 years old. You've been out of the Merchant Marines, you know, for a while now. It's not very likely they're going to take you back in. You know what I mean? That's probably just one of the one of the very... Of several stressors, though. Yeah. Because we don't know what else is happening. I mean, maybe... That's true. May, okay, maybe, although he's good-looking, you know, um, people, the women think that he's not approachable. Okay, you yeah. Know, I've I've ran into that on both sides of it. I've had some women sit there and go, you know, you know, well, I don't think Scott's approachable because he looks all pissed off, you know. I have like resting that. bitch face, and I've been told many times, that, like, why do you look so mean? It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, uh, and, and then I, I've had other women that have gone, nah, there's no fucking way. And then it turns out like, oh, wow, you want to like straddle me and ride me like a like a used, uh, well, like a like a stolen horse. Okay, I had no fucking idea. But, um, yeah, no, like both <laughs> ways. put a saddle on me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that could have been it. He could have had depression. There right. could have been feel- feelings of loneliness in him. Um, right. There could have been all kinds of things going on mentally that... He either didn't have the ability mentally to seek help because that's right. that, that's another problem there is that even okay we're in 2023 right now yes we okay? are and most health insurance companies cover 
some mental health. I'm lucky my yeah. insurance covers great mental health. Well, and, yeah, um, and I talked about before how the county I live in, actually, even if you have good insurance but it doesn't cover mental health, the county will pay for it. Right, because uh, you know most places have realized that in today's society, mental health is just as important as physical health. True, true. Um, but what if you don't have the ability in your own mind to seek that help. To seek it out. You might be sitting there going, man, I really need counseling. I need to talk to somebody. But then that little voice keeps on, you know, giving you that negative reinforcement like, hey, you know, if you do this, that means you're admitting you're crazy. You know, you're a failure. You know, you're this. You know, you're that. I know because I went through the same goddamn thing. True. In True. my head, it's like, you know, you're a piece of shit, right? And that that, 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 that that's why I take antidepressants because, you know, given... Given my past in, in the music industry, I you know I've done fairly well, and I get you know tons of compliments, which is great. But y'all in my head, this is what I hear constantly: you know you're a piece of shit, you know you really can't oh, write yeah. music at all, you suck, you're just you're garbage, man, you're a total freaking garbage. That's what I hear constantly in my freaking head, and right. the only thing that kind of tamps that down is the antidepressants. Well, maybe he's going through the same exact thing. No, I, I totally agree with what you're saying because, I mean, and then they find out a little, because, I mean, you and I have had this conversation, especially when I was between houses and it seemed like I wasn't going to get my own place. Yeah, totally. It's like I started getting to that thing. It's like, okay, I'm a burden on you. I'm a burden on anybody who helps me out. You know, I have no hope for the future. And so it's like every time something was said, it's like I internalized it that I was being criticized and I'm, you know, like... You know what I mean? It's like, what I'm doing is not helping you. I'm just hindering you. You know? Right. And, no, totally. I mean, totally, you, totally. I mean, and you, I mean, you are a great person and everything. So it's like, you automatically think, okay, how can I fix this? And I was like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to hear me. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Well, because I, I know, I know the anguish that I go through because of depression. Right. And I really don't want anybody else to go through the same bullshit that I go through on a daily on a daily basis, you know. Well, I, I can't say every single day. I do have I, I have more good days now than I do than I do bad, right. uh, provided I stay on my meds. But I know the pain that comes with that, you know, from from, from depression and, and having that negative self talk. So that's why I try to I, I try to make everything better most of the well, time. I do have my days well, where yeah. I don't care, but and totally. Most time I do. And I remember when we had that conversation. I I remember telling you, it's not anything you did specifically. It's just what my mind is telling me about what you did. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, I know that what you did wasn't intended to be that way, but the way I'm feeling about myself right now, that's how I interpreted it, you know? So it's just really weird. But um, but then it's like they later found it, because that was at the time, you know, about how it didn't seem like he had anything really major that would cause him to freak out like that, right? Right, but right. Then they actually talked to somebody who had served with him in the Merchant Marines, and this person said that it was obvious while he was serving that he harbored some violent hatred towards his mother, who he said was very domineering, controlling, and, you know, that kind of thing. And he actually thought, I mean, called her a snake. She's just a snake, you know. And so he also ended up having some kind of, like, delusion or paranoia that random women or even women in his life were just there to harass him. Right. So it's like, so once you dig deeper into it, you kind of realize, yeah, he was a little crazy. Well, no, you know? hold on, hold on. I'm going to, I want to pose this one right here. Uh, 
let's look at the female influences in my life. I don't oh, have yeah. the closest relationship with my mom. That's true. You don't and, even call her. But you don't even call her mom. So. Right. <laughs> and and most of the women, not all, but I would I I'd venture to say more than ninety percent of the women that I've been with have been there to get something from me. Right. You know whether it's um you know like the uh, the. The, the status of being able to be with somebody who is in the music industry. Right. Uh, or more money. Right. Or, or, or something. There's, but there's right. always something. So maybe he was going through the same thing. Now, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know the dude from Adam. Right. But I'm just, I'm, I'm putting it out there as, as a possibility that maybe he had similar experiences. Right. And how do we learn? What's that chemical code tell us? That oh, yeah. Chemical tell, uh, that neurochemical thing, yeah. It's created by our experiences. So mm-hmm. that's why I don't trust very many people. Like, trust for me is uh, a bitch I to know. Get. It. I mean, and I know you trust me now, but it's like for a long time there, it's like I felt like, okay, you just think that I'm out to do something. You know, and it's like, right. I'm not friends with you to use you. I'm friends with you because, quite frankly, you make me laugh, and I don't know how to quit you right now. No, because I'm <laughs> that awesome. But, um, <laughs> but no, but, it, but you know. My experiences have taught me that I should not trust most people in general, male and female. Right. Um, you know, but and it, it, getting trust from me is like breaking into Fort Knox. Oh, but, totally. But once you totally. have it, once you have it and maintain it. Oh, I, yeah. It's... But it's then if you break Kong. it, there's no second chances with me. Yeah, that's the same with me. Yeah. If, you, if you break my trust, then yeah, you're it's over. Off. It's on like Donkey Kong. You know, I will never trust you again. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and and I will totally crawl back into my shell like, but I'm on fire and need your help. Burn. I don't. That's, yeah. That's your problem. It's well, not mine. Yeah, because I struggle with letting people close. I mean, because my social circle has diminished considerably and I struggle with letting people see the real me. You know, I'll be like this gregarious person in public where people think, yeah, she's the life of the party. But inside, they don't see who I truly am. You know what I mean? No, then that's that's me as well. I yeah. Mean, on the outside, when it comes to performing, uh, you know, even dealing with clients, going to dinners, um, dealing with, uh, you know, just people in general, even in a Walmart or whatever. Oh, my God. Let us not talk about the time you and I went to Winco and you were like a <laughs> freaking kid in a candy store. Because it was so much fun to shop for myself. Well, and there were so many. I, I mean, I can I never, I will never while. stop. I mean, I will always remember almost every aisle went, we, we went down. There's so many choices. And I'm like, dude, I, I do this forgot. all the time. I forgot how many choices. Like, <laughs> I, you know, because, okay, so because I hadn't shopped for myself in a while. Yeah, because you're usually too busy. You know, it, it, I went down like the soup aisle. I'm like, holy shit, I forgot that there's like, there's a hundred kinds yeah. of soup. And the granola bars and the, and the coffee beans the you know, yeah. the bulk bean coffee beans and the like bulk section they have at Winko. You're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? It's like, oh my God, just it choose was, one. That was amazing. <laughs> you know, and just I'm, shut your eyes and pick one. And I'm kind of getting used to that sort of again. I mean, if I'd quit using Instacart. Um, oh, I was going to talk to you about that too. Remind me to talk to you about that. But, um, you know, it's, it's so many choices. It's just, but I am, I, you know, like in, in, in a store, I will talk and chat it up with anybody. Anybody, because I have such a good time uh, doing it, and I like it, you know, and I'll interact. But what people don't know is that for people like me personally, yes, uh, you know, and depression is a real thing, guys. Inside, there's always this constant battle. Right, right. That's and, true. Uh, That's true. I mean, 
I mean, I also remember the time we went to Office Depot and we were walking around looking for something and this, let's, I mean, she wasn't old, but she was older than us. Lady kept going in. You're like, I think she's following me. I said, she just wants to get a picture of you because, you know, you're crazy. And she, <laughs> if you harass her, she has evidence. And she's like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm like, it's okay to admit it. <laughs> I'll talk to everybody, man. I have a good time doing it. But maybe this guy's going through the same thing. You know, on, right. the, on the surface, they're like, wow, what's this guy have to be depressed about? What does he have to be sad about? And But down inside, he's got this inner struggle. There had to be some other stressors in his life. You know what I mean? It's oh, not just going to be like, hey, I didn't get back in the Merchant Marines type of a thing. It's got the, There has to be other contributing stressors. Oh, no, I, I totally agree with that. You know, there's something that flipped in his... some Something flipped that circuit breaker. Totally. You know? So... There, it, well, there was no record that he actually sought out help or was ever assessed by a mental health professional. And so they felt that his reputation for lashing out at people was totally without provocation. And then his extreme beliefs in women were considered to be a paranoid-induced psychosis. But then again, maybe he felt that way because of the way his mother was. And then he, you know, because you and I have talked about it, behavioral conditioning, once you raise that way, you will actually get into relationships with people who are that way because that's what you're used to. Right, even though you know it's wrong exactly. and you don't want it, and so, so it, it fills an empty void within you. Yeah, so maybe they weren't just paranoid-induced psychosis. Maybe it was the behavioral conditioning. It's like he was so used to it happening that he automatically thought that every woman around him or looked at him was going to do that. Exactly. Well, yeah, you know? because it's based on experiences. You, if you have the mom issue, yeah, and then you have a string of women... That are, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hard on you women. I'll admit that. But right. Once again, that is based on my experiences. Right. Um, you know, uh, so maybe he's got these these experiences that have been uh, of a negative light. Right. So you compound that with, with stuffing down emotion. Right. With your feelings and everything like that. And still trying to maintain the manliness because you got to be a man. You completely, know, completely. It's, yeah, it, it, it's going to have a negative outcome every time. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's going to go around crashing into restaurants and shooting people, but there has to be, and we talked about this in the last episode, there's only so much you can stuff into your emotional baggage before you have no more room. You have zero room left to stuff anything left in that bag. No, there's, there's, there's no room. That's that's simple goddamn physics. If you take, okay, if you take a gallon of emotions mm-hmm. and you try to pour it into a half a gallon bottle, what's going to happen? It's going to freaking flow out. And it's just emotions, milk, water. It's all the damn same. Yeah, exactly. Help a brother out. No, I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Um, you know, whereas, whereas his case, it appeared that uh, there was no, like, given, you know, obvious reason why he did what he did that day. Our next story, the next part I'm going to talk about, you know, is a man who actually was seeking the attention of a character from a film. Now, everybody knows, everybody in our generation knows, a number of whole high-profile crimes were influenced by plots or scenes in different films. But one that seemed to affect the legal system across the country and was shown in court and used as a defense in court. The movie was released in 1976. Do you remember what it was? 
Uh, I'm it was in the 80s when it became like, that's when they started using it as a defense in court. But the movie itself was released in 1976. Civil. No. No? You looking at me? Taxi Driver. Oh, yeah. With Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah. Now, this, uh, Robert De Niro actually starred as a guy named Travis Bickle. He was a disturbed taxi driver who decided to assassinate a presidential candidate as a way to attract the attention of a female political worker that he had an interest in. However, he failed and became involved with a younger prostitute by the name of Iris, who was played by Jodie Foster. Do you know what case I'm talking about yet? No He rescued her by killing three people and thus, with criminal violence, became her hero. So, therefore... In 1981, John Hinckley Jr. became obsessed oh. with that fan, and oh, he wanted yeah. to get the attention of Jodie Foster herself. So, Hinckley, before this, he was a failed songwriter who had an imaginary girlfriend and was impressed by everything that happened in that movie. So, he sought the attention of Jodie Foster, who had he had already been like physically stalking when she was in Yale. Right, because she went on to Yale after she made some movies to get her college degree before she went back to movies. Right. Yeah. So while she was a student at Yale, he stalked her, actively stalked her. And he also stalked President Jimmy Carter for a while. The the, the peanut guy. The peanut guy. So after some, didn't he also have the jelly beans? Or was that Reagan? That was Reagan with the okay. jelly beans. Uh, Carter's from Georgia. and Right, uh, I remember the peanuts. Does... And he always say, pecan. <laughs> yep, and he also does a lot of work, though, with Habitat for Humanity. Right, right. He's, or did, because I mean, he's like 8,000 fucking well, years yeah, old. Well, yeah, but I think he's still, he's still alive. alive. He's, yeah, he probably is, man. You can't, you, Jimmy you can't, Carter. You can't kill off a, a Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Unlike Richard Nixon, I am not a crook. <laughs> so anyway, see? So anyways, um... He actually stalked Jimmy Carter for a while. But then he got some treatment, psychiatric treatment and counseling for this depression. But even after that, it's like people thought, oh, he's getting better. He's getting treatment, blah, blah, blah. No. He went, because, you know, Carter had left office. So on March 30th, 1981, he was outside Washington, D.C.'s Hilton Hotel when he, when President Reagan was coming out. And he emptied a revolver, wounding Reagan along with three others before he was wrestled to the ground and arrested. Now, I know this doesn't really talk about it, but I remember when, I mean, because you and I were alive back then. I think I was six or seven. So it's like, oh, my God, somebody shot the president, right? So you look at it like this, but Ronald Reagan was famous for saying when Nancy came to the hospital to see him, he goes, I forgot to duck. Yep. You know, because <laughs> he was that type of person. I mean... I loved him as a president. So um, so when Foster heard about this case and the fact that he tried to do it to get her <laughs> attention to have her fall in love with him, she was horrified. So at his insanity trial, when he was charged with 13 offenses, a guy by the name of Dr. William Carpenter Jr. described how he had strongly identified with this Travis Bickle character where he began dressing like him, imitating him in a variety of ways. I wonder if he looked in the river mirror and says, you looking at me? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Are you looking at me? Um, anyways, that he'd also isolated himself 
and started living in his fantasy world, believing in his mind that he was actually Travis Bickle. So when the the um, defense attorney showed that movie to the jury to help them understand that character and how the, Hinkley might be, you know, in his mind become that character, um, and how he had just wanted to, um, and how he just wanted to get a good look at his hero, that he sat through that while they were showing that film, just like staring at the screen. He was so in air enamored by the character that all of. Although he apparently could not watch the scene in which Iris hugged her pimp. Because, you know, that's him, not her not showing affection towards him. One of the people that Bickle later killed because he was abusive to her. Now, the trial for his insanity lasted for seven weeks. Damn. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity in 1982. And he was confined to the St. Elizabeth Mental Hospital in Washington, D.C., and he continued, even after being hospitalized, to be infatuated with Jodie Foster for o- almost 20 years. Um, now, when he was found not guilty by reason of insanity, the American public was in an uproar. So the government, along with several other states, revised their laws regarding insanity. And four states actually abolished that defense altogether. Still, the U.S. was not the only place where killers took their cues from movies. And we're going to get into another one here in a minute. But, I mean, this goes on. And this happened in the 80s, right? Right. And we talked about it with Richard Trenton Chase. When he was up for the insanity defense and was denied it. And if any, I feel if anybody should have been awarded that, it should have been him. 100%. He was paranoid that everybody was, I mean, people were trying to kill him. that, That everybody was out to get him. And... I literally don't really think that he knew what he was doing was wrong. You know what I mean? Agree. I agree. And so because of this John Hinckley Jr. case, a defense, because normally when somebody goes on trial, it's up to the state to prove that the person's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But when the insanity defense is in play, it's up to the defense to prove that their client is insane. Right. You know what I mean? So... There are so many rules and regulations now to prove that for a jury to grant somebody the insanity defense, because if there's even a doubt that they knew right from wrong, then it goes out the window. Correct. You know, so, I mean, granted, maybe he did know right from wrong and, you know, the laws should have been changed, but I think they were changed to such a degree that people who are truly needed can't get it. Well, that's that's the problem that we have here in the U.S. And, you know, totally. First off, I love being an American citizen, okay? I don't, oh, me I, too. I, think, I still think it's one of the best countries to live in, by and large. However, here's a problem. We either do nothing about a problem, or we go way freaking overboard. Way, That's okay, true. Let's take the attacks on 9-11. The only thing that was missing was there was no protocol in place for the FAA to contact the FBI to right. contact uh, anybody else. There's just no protocol. So... They could have just written a protocol for it to say, yeah. hey, here's your liaison. Who's here? This is the person you got to call, mm-hmm. yada, yada. What do they do? They create a whole entire department, Homeland Security, all oh, these ice. billions of dollars to solve something they literally could have taken care of with a pen stroke. Literally. Yeah. Just a, hey. Mean- you can call Bob over here. He's your liaison. And if not him, you can call Mike. 
And then, you know, and you guys can talk back and forth and just give each other updates, get to know each other. Instead, no, let's create a whole entire freaking department and employ all these people who literally do nothing, by and large. Oh, yeah. Well, let's not forget ICE now. Yeah, the, and the NICE. Whatever. I can't even know what it's called. I mean, why it's called ICE anymore. But that's literally just our immigration department with guns and badges on a freaking, you know, superiority complex. Yeah, kind of like the immigration department was before with guns and badges. It's like now, yeah, but immigration didn't have <laughs> guns and badges until ICE came along. They didn't? I thought they did. No, not really. I mean, they had some, like, Border Patrol and stuff like that, but not, like, most immigration people, no. No, it's just, I thought they did, like, uh, the, the Border Patrol, because, you know, they're picking up runaway Mexicans and Well, yeah, stuff Border like Patrol that. did, but, like, normal immigration people didn't. Now it's, like, almost everybody who's in ICE has guns. <laughs> I'm all for everybody having guns. Let's take this shit back to the West, the old West. You have a problem, we'll just shoot it out. Okay. <laughs> No, Am I, I wrong? No, I no, I agree that some I agree in the fact that every American has a right to own a gun. However, I do not believe Americans should have access to military grade weaponry because you don't need that to go hunting or protect yourself, honestly. No, you don't. But you might just want it. I'm just saying. I think that an American has a right to uh, <sighs> if if you want a bazooka Providing you're not hurting anybody, like you're going out to like the salt flats or something and shooting up bazooka, around, fucking go do it. That might be your hobby. I don't give a shit. Now, where I do have a problem is on the rare, and it really is a rare occasion when somebody decides to become a mass shooter or something like that, but it gets sensationalized so much that all of a sudden the, the general public sits there and, and says, see, there's a, there's a gun problem. We don't have a damn gun problem, folks. We have a people problem. It's people. Yeah. I, I mean, and you and I have talked about, yes, guns kill people, but that's only because somebody's firing it. You know, you yeah. don't blame the car or the alcohol when people drunk drive. Exactly. You blame the person who consumed the alcohol and drove. Yeah, you, you, you blame the idiot that drunk drove and ran over and killed people. It's just this freaking, it's the guns. The guns are dangerous. Guns, knives, explosives, none of that's dangerous. People are dangerous. Exactly. Idiots, man. Idiots, I tell you. But, sorry, I was picking something up off the floor. Um, but anyway, so this next case is out of Scotland. 22-year-old Alan Menzies was obsessed with the vampire film, The Queen of the Damp. Remember that one? I do remember that one. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. And he considered the principal character in the movie, was who was a vampire named Akasha, as his true queen. So... By his own words, he watched the film a minimum of a hundred times, and most times, three times a day. Where did he find the time to do that? He's obviously not employed. Living in his mama's basement? Yeah, he's living in, he, he does, he, do you think he's not employed, and he doesn't own a company? I'm trying to get the intern's attention. Boy! Now that you're alive! Fucking Christ. Please. And so, um, in the process, right, oh, because I was trying to talk. In the process, he became, please, um, in the, where was I? Oh, in the process, he came to believe that she actually appeared to him, you know, in reality, and told him to do certain things. So, he killed, and his crime and trial were covered extensively by the newspaper, The Scotsman. Now... 
Akasha was actually played by the late actress Aaliyah, who, for those who don't know, was a teenager when she married R. Kelly, who everybody knows about now. Um, <laughs> and she died, and some people think it was as a result, you know, that he had a lot to do with that. Or that he peed on her. Probably. Too much peeing on her. Yeah. So, anyway, she's depicted in the movie based on Anne Rice's novel of the same name. Now, the ultimate, and she's the ultimate vampire progenitor. And so she's a vicious blood hunter with absolutely no remorse, right? She wasn't like Blade and Wesley Snipes out there trying to protect the world. So, she was like, like every woman. To kill the world. So, like every woman, no remorse. <laughs> they just come and suck the life right out of you. Pretty much. I'm just waiting for my opportunity. That's why I carry a lot of garlic <laughs> and a wooden steak. <laughs> and I have my Sasquatch calls. So, you know, to, to kind of like in case of emergency, I can communicate with the other Sasquatches in their native tongue. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, anyways, so <laughs> that's so horrible. She was very beautiful. She was very like vibrant, like larger than life. And, she, you know, of course, Aaliyah herself was very slender. This character wore very provocative clothing. Kind of like me. And apparently, kind of like Halle Berry's Catwoman, she captured more than one teenage male's fantasies. Like your mom dressed up in a Catwoman well, outfit. Remember when, remember when the joke back in our time was every boy had a poster of Christy Brinkley on his ceiling, not on the wall? Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just yeah. saying so he could look up and see her every night. But yeah. So anyways, <clears throat> in the book by Anne Rule, Akasha had been an ancient Egyptian queen who was jealous of the powers of these twin witches over a spirit led this witches over anyways anyways this led the spirit to infuse Akasha. Okay, so she had jealousy. I was like, why did I write it like that? Now I understand. So apparently these witches had power over a spirit and that spirit then led was infused in akasha with its essence which carried a powerful gave her a powerful thirst for people's blood as she became a vampire and transformed her husband and others into vampires they all were connected to her like you know like psycho thank you they had like this psychic link that it's like she could command them with her mind right so, I want to be able to do that with you assholes. That way, there ain't gotta even talk to you guys. I just control you with you my mind. You know what? You are a major voice in my head <laughs> throughout the throughout the day. That it's not like you have an influence on me, but it makes me watch what I say to people because I'm like, no, that's gonna come out wrong. <laughs> that's because I started everything off with not to sound racist, but. Or... <laughs> This happened to me, and I know it's these people's fault. <laughs> well, it, just, it depends on who I'm picking on. You know, I pick on the Irish. I, this is what happened. I blew a damn tire, and I'd pull up to the side of the dang road, get it all changed. Freaking Irish. I bet, she's, I, bet I, I was set up by the Irish. That's right. be the Irish. That, <laughs> the I, is it IRA? Or, no, what yep, is the it? IRA. That's yeah, the, it came uh, and shot out your tire. <laughs> that's right. Yep. No, that's You're exactly so what dumb. it is. Can't trust the Irish. So, anyways, in in the book, she this Akasha started killing people, like massive people of humans, to feed her pathological need. And then she also commanded her prince, the vampire Lestat, who went on to be in interview with a vampire, to do the same thing. Right now, 
Thomas Kendrick, who was this Alan Menzies' friend, best friend, actually introduced him to this film, and he begged to borrow it. So he was soon so hooked that Akasha became real to him, as did the other vampires, and he actually started calling himself Leon. Now, he believed that Akasha made regular visits to him and had made a deal to grant him immortality in exchange for him killing people to deliver their souls to her. It wasn't long before his best friend Thomas disappeared. The tank engine. <laughs> yeah, apparently he was last seen visiting um, uh, Alan a, on a December. Brothel. I had something stuck in my throat. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> was that a customer? I said, shut up. It was a customer, <laughs> I, wasn't see, it? I told you I have to watch what I say at all it was, times. It was one of the hobos down on Sandy Boulevard, wasn't it? Yeah, that was what no, it was, it's huh? it's because this is our like third episode in a row. In my was it Hobo Joe? I'm pretty sure it was Hobo Joe. He's a repeat offender. <laughs> I told you not to make fun of my boyfriend. No, no. <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. No, she isn't. So anyways, he was last seen on December 11, 2002, when he went to go visit Alan. Now, Alan's father came home one day and noticed that there were, like, pl- like in different areas around the house, there were, like, un- uh, unnecessary. I mean, it's like, where did these spots of blood come from, you know? Mysterious. That's what He's been straightened. He's man-straightening. <laughs> so he became worried. But then when he talked to Alan about it, the kid said it had come from cutting himself on a can. He cut himself on a can, walked through the house, dropped blood. Wait a minute. Hold on. What kind of can? Was it a Mexican, a Puerto Rican, African? I hate you. (laughs) I really hate you. You're welcome. (laughs) So then on January 4th, his friend Thomas's clothing was found in a bag on the moors, which we all know about that one. We know about the moors. And then two days after that, the police actually went and searched Alan's home. And after they talked with him, he took an overdose of drugs to try to kill himself. And he wound up in the hospital. Then on January 18th of 2003, Thomas's remains were found in a shallow grave. Now, according to the autopsy report, he'd been stabbed 42 times with a large knife in the face, head, and body before he was struck six times in the head with a hammer-like instrument. Holy shit. According to the pathologist, the attack had been carried out for a prolonged period of time. So it wasn't just like this aggressive, you know, frenzied stabbing and beating. It was like a torture. Holy cow. That's that's messed up, man. Isn't that screwed up? His best friend. Jesus. Yeah. Alan said that he had decided to sell his soul to be born into another life and another form as a vampire. He tried to plead guilty to what they called in um, Scotland culpable homicide on the grounds of diminished capacity, which is not guilty by the reason of insanity, basically. But the Crown actually rejected it and forced him to stand trial in October 2003. He cast the blame on his alter ego. It was that Leon's character problem and he and which was developed under the influences of the film and he said he wished he had never seen it because leon wouldn't have come forth and done all this bad stuff right so on this it's like yeah it's like if i hadn't seen that movie leon wouldn't have done this he actually told the high court in december that thomas had made the fatal error of insulting akasha to him 
Oh, no. And that's what made him snap when he bludgeoned him and stabbed him. Then he drank Thomas's blood and offered the death to Akasha in like a sacrificial way. Of course he did because she's a vampire. That <laughs> Okay, folks, if you did not see that coming, then maybe this is too much of a show for you. Like for right. real. Like I mean, it's the, a vampire yeah. thing. Christ's sakes. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, he thought he was Leon was a vampire. You know, Leon was his alter ego vampire. Of course he's going to drink the guy's blood, right? So... According to uh, Alan, he said, I could never get the thought of being a vampire out of my mind. To put it bluntly, after I had seen the tape so many times, I wanted to go out and murder people. Hold on. Boys and girls, tapes are what preceded DVDs and streaming. (laughs) For all those who do not know, and before the videotapes, we had beta. And before that, we had reels. <laughs> and today, we have Master Beta. <laughs> and we have streaming. <laughs> <laughs> streaming. Oh, that even sounded worse. That, Never mind. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but that, that, that usually happens with a lot of tarps and, uh, <laughs> and a long discussion before. <laughs> a long discussion. Of consensuality. <laughs> and maybe maybe signing a consent form. <laughs> but and a, and a non-disclosure agreement. And a non-disclosure agreement, unless you're in Thailand, then you just got to pay, you know, just a, a little, little bit, bit extra. extra. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, he also said that he believed that when he drank the blood of Thomas, it transformed, like, made his, like, vampirism more pronounced, you know what I mean? Super being a vampire and actually sealed his pact and connection with Akasha. Now, the jury actually deliberated for an hour and a half, but because that's apparently how long it took them to do for everyone to decide he was totally guilty. However, the judge gave him a minimum sentence of 18 years. Right. It's like, okay, he's guilty. He's obviously not insane, but like weird. You know, wait a minute. I'm weird. Does that mean I can drink people's blood and fucking, uh, you know what? You don't you, already, insane, but you're just kind of weird. So go go on your way, young man. Yeah. Go on your way. You only have to spend 18 years in, you know, a minimum security facility, sitting <laughs> and by have the access ocean. to the public. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd be sweet. I can still do the um, podcast. Anyways, the next person I want to talk about had a similar experience to Alan. But according to him, his orders to kill people came from, quote, above. But apparently he was talking about the elevated movie screen in a theater. Right? <laughs> That's as, probably as far above as they came. Now, in West Oh, no. I've come way further above than that. So just hear me out. I'm judging you already. Don't judge and not to sound racist, but... I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, thank you. So in 1959, a guy in West Germany, a person... Of course. I know. Of right? course. They were... Uh, West Germany was terrorized by somebody who was referred to as Beast of the Black Forest. Dude, I like that name. That's badass. Right? That's going to be another band name, right? That That is, you know that what? is that a death be... metal band. Well, not just that. Maybe that should be the title of the album for the parody songs you're going to write about that book of evil. <laughs> yeah, That I still want you to do. Because you and I talked about that when I first met you. Now, um, apparently, in some dark alley, it's always in a dark alley, 
This um, is how the horror movie begins. I you know. Realize that, right? And Carl's Root, K-A-R-L-S-R-U-H-E, a woman's body was found. The, it was determined that she had been raped before her throat was sliced with a razor blade. That same night, another woman said that she was accosted by a man who wrote, who actually ran away when a taxi approached them. And the police found no clues from either incident to find out who this person was that led them to a person. Yet more dead women turned up over the next several months, as well as more complaints about sexual assaults and being accosted, right? Yeah, okay. One woman who was a student by the name of, this is such a German name, Dagmar Klinek. My God. Or Kleinek, what? whatever. That's a horrible name. I know, dude. I would so change my name, too. It's probably a family name, like, hein- just... like Heinrich Petrus or Petrus Heinrichus. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, is that I, she's probably smoking freaking hot. Probably. You hear that name, like if you hear like Olga or Helga, you yeah. automatically think, okay, that chick weighs 500 pounds and has a ward on her nose. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. That's what that is. She probably throws like that's B- true. VW bugs for fun. Well, and it's like, you know, that author Dumas. Uh, I can't. I think it's Alexander Dumas. Are we talking about Robstein's song Duhas? No, I'm talking about an author. He's a like a very famous author or like maybe he was a philosopher or something like that. I think his name was Alexander Dumas. Anyways, when I first saw his name, I literally thought it was pronounced dumbass. <laughs> and so now, every time somebody's being a dumbass, I go, shut up, Dumas. Do you re- do you remember the... Uh, you may not have seen this commercial, but there's a guy... Um, and a job interview. And a don- yeah, he's yeah. Uh, well, Mr. D- he goes, well, why do you think you should have this job? Well, Mr. Dumbass, I think that I'd be really <laughs> great here. I've got a lot of experience, Mr. Yes. Dumbass. And he goes, um... The it's name Dumas. <laughs> is Dumas. Yeah, I, that is one of my favorite commercials, too. Because, I mean, like literally, when I saw the Alexander Dumas, I was like, now I, every time somebody's a Dumas, I go, stop being a Dumas. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, she, she said that she had been thrown off a train after somebody had raped her in an empty railway car. She then said she was further assaulted outside on the ground. Oh, no. She didn't say this. I'm sorry. My bad. I was on a different part. Anyways, this woman, Dagmar, she was thrown off this train after she had been raped. Then after that, after she was on the ground, this person jumped out and assaulted her further before stabbing her to death. Still, there was nothing. Did you just say that she said that? Yeah, that's why I said I was in a different place when I said she said. Yeah, I read she said, and then I went back up, and it was my really bad. Really freaking confused I there cha- for a I, sa- I corrected myself before I went on to say that, the rest of it. I said, oh, crap, I started in that's, the wrong place. That, that's an episode for uh, Into the Abyss right there. <laughs> then she came back and told her tale of woe. Yeah, whatever. So, anyways, still, there was nothing that led them. I mean, they the police could find nothing. You know, no leads, nothing. Well, that's all hearsay information. She said it, and they're like, look, you're already dead, so you really don't even count. You're okay, not a person I anymore. already corrected myself on that because I read she said, <laughs> and then I found my real place, and then I was, wait wait a minute. No, I'm wrong here. I, I think that's freaking hell. I'm, dead. I'm dying over that one. Shut up. Over there beating all McDonald's and shit. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Anyways, sometime in the summer of 1960 in... Oh, God. Hornburg, Germany. 60 what? 1960. 
Oh, okay. In the summer of 1960, I said. Hey, I in you. Hornburg, Germany. It was a great time in 69 <laughs> in Hornburg. Yes, it a was. A young man. Lured girls into a van with candy. You're so bad. <laughs> Anyways. No, that was me. Never mind. Anyways, this young man had actually ordered a suit from a tailor, went in and picked it up, but left his briefcase in the shop while he went and ran an errand. Now, in another account, this guy says that he changed into the suit and left his other clothing <coughs> behind in the shop. Like Superman. Yeah, kind of. However, the tailor noticed that there was something not right about this briefcase, so he opened it and found a sawed-off sawed shotgun, like a rifle, a shot-off rifle. Since he was clearly, since this was clearing for a crime or possibly to rob the tailor. He's he, a smooth criminal. He called the police who waited for this guy to return. And when the guy walked into the shop, he was immediately arrested. And he's told them, oh, my God, I just said this name, too, and I didn't even realize this. He told them his name was Heinrich Pomeranke. Now, and he was 23 years old. The funny part about that is my great-grandfather's name was Heinrich, and we called him Grandpa Heine. <laughs> and I went to school with a Pomeranke who got drunk and peed in his fridge because he thought it was a urinal. But that's, I digress. Deep in the Heine. I know. We called him Grandpa Heine, but whatever. Um, under When he was interrogated further, he said he actually admitted to robbing people in another town. And then just to test him, investigators told him that they had found bloodstains on the suit that he left behind at the shop. And that it matched the blood of some murder victims in the Black Forest area. And apparently he believed what they say was true. Because, you know, police officers can lie to get a confession. Just saying it's it's not illegal. So he actually fell for what they were saying and said, yeah, he had raped and killed several women. And some some people are, I mean, some reports indicate he said that, that he, he had at least 10 victims. Come to find out he was obsessed with sex and had been since he was quite young. But he was actually inspired by a movie to act out his crimes. <coughs> he said that he had watched the movie, Cec Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Ten Commandments, seen, which showed a licentious woman dancing around a golden calf and decided that he would have to kill. It was his mission. Among other felony charges, he was convicted of four murders, several dozen attempted murders, and 21 rapes. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> exactly. And they also suspected he was involved in six other murders. And despite his supposed craziness, he received six life sentences. Now, while it makes some sense to find, you know, find these overly violent movies to be at fault... We wouldn't, ex I mean, who can expect a movie like The Ten Commandments, which is supposed to, I mean, that with Charlton Heston? Yep. You know, to inspire people to commit murder. I mean, literally, it is about the commandments we get from God to act right. However, apparently, it did. And there are some other movies that have been associated with this as well. Now, okay, another... A number of other movies have been spotlighted in murder cases, and for each one, it's a similar story, but here's a brief list. American History X, 1998, with Ed Norton, stars an American neo-Nazi 
who murders a black man during a rage. Is that bad? Okay. However, the film takes a clear stand against racial violence. Nevertheless, that scene allegedly provoked three neo teenagers who were neo-Nazis in Germany to bludgeon a stuttering classmate to death who was Jewish. He was forced to bite a pig trough, supposedly because he was considered subhuman, while one of the boys reenacted the brutal curb stomping scene. Now, yeah, it's just, oh my God. And then, you know, here's another one of your favorite movies, which we actually inspired another person that we shall remain nameless, but American Psycho. That's a (laughs) movie that starred Christian Bale, and it was very controversial about this extremely narcissistic psychopath who killed people to relieve pressure from the competition, from competition in the workforce and disappointment that he felt in his regular life. It was condemned by critics for its gratuitous violence. You know, like, oh my God, it's like violent scenes that didn't have to be in the movie, like gratuitous sex scenes. Now, Michael Hernandez spent the evening before he killed his friend, Jamie, reading reviews of this film, as well as looking at gory drawings and reading stories about baby killers in Australia. He, Australia, excuse me. He was so obsessed with death that, according to a newspaper in uh, Miami, Florida, that he stabbed his friend 40 times in the restroom at school. Now, Damn, talk I about a shitty way remember, to go. I mean, I had started researching this case and haven't finished it, but yeah, and left him in the bathroom and to die and just went on like it was, you know, whatever, you know, every day. Now, oh my God, that one's going to be weird. So then, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street, Robert England plays Freddy Krueger, the, the knife finger guy. <laughs> Right, Robert England plays in a lot of horror flicks. He okay? does, and he also plays really creepy characters in a lot of TV shows. And he, he is awesome, dude. I love Robert England, and people don't realize when they watch Nightmare on Elm Street what he really looks like. But he's he's really kind of a creepy looking dude, you know. That if you saw him in a dark alley, it was like, oh my god. But yeah, I hear he's like one of the nicest people out there. That's what I heard too, man. Yeah, I heard, I, yeah. So I, I, I like him as an actor. I mean, oh yeah, he's a phenomenal actor. Plays a phenomenal horror villain. You know what gets me about the whole Freddy Krueger thing though is they remade it with a new Freddy Krueger. Really? And I haven't d- seen the new one. Don't watch it. It sucks. It does because it's not well, Freddy Krueger. I thought some of the sequels were pretty like far fetched to begin with. But it's it's it, but, they're supposed to yeah. be. It's Freddy Krueger. Well, yeah, not just that. The first one was really good and really like traumatized me. Like I had a hard time sleeping in bed, oh, yeah. water beds, you know. And take I still to this day I will not take a bath because I'm afraid I'm going to be sucked down by Freddy Krueger. The first time I watched it was with my friend Fred Wilcox, which we've talked about. before. Oh yeah, we've talked about Fred and Richard Gill, and I think. John Cherioli was over too, I think. Did you call him Cherry? No, we just call him John. Oh. Um, and, uh, or we call him Cherioli. But uh, we're, in, and so Fred is the one who introduced us to Nightmare on Elm Street. And it scared me so bad. And I've always been a logical person. But I yeah. thought Freddy Krueger was going to come out of the VHS player. If you don't know what that is, just look it up. I ain't got time to explain it. We to don't have kids. time to explain it. Um, but yeah, it terrified me. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I would still watch them all day. Like I recently just made it through the entire uh, thing for uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Again for that, like I'm my the umpteenth time, probably at least the thirtieth time. Yeah, well, and yeah, and then there's Halloween, of course. But yeah, I love Freddy Krueger. I love most of the Nightmare on Elm Street. Some of them, I thought, okay, that's a little far fetched. But I also like the one where you learn why he was crazy. You know, with his mom being in the asylum, uh, nursing the asylum, being raped, and you know what I mean. It wasn't rape. It was just sex she didn't know she wanted. What the fuck ever. <laughs> anyway, she was raped by crazy people. And he truly believed that he was crazy because he thought his dad, you know, his dad was one of those p- crazies. Hey, look, I have been raped by crazy women and I'm not out there. And crazy being... men. Whatever. <laughs> you weren't supposed to talk about that. And that wasn't rape. That was totally consensual. <laughs> so bad. So bad. <laughs> Well, anyways, 25-year-old Donald Gonzalez was actually convicted. He's guilty. In 2004, because of his last name. Yep. In 2004 for killing four people when he went on a stabbing rampage for three days in southern England. He also tried but did not succeed to kill two others. Now, when he was arrested and went on trial, he actually compared the murders he committed to the film Halloween. And said that he aspired to be Freddy Krueger. Like, that was his ultimate goal. I'm going to be Freddy. (laughs) That tracks. Not Freddy Mercury. Freddy Krueger. (laughs) Because nobody can be Freddy Mercury. Nobody. Nobody compares. I don't even care. I mean, Adam Lambert, whatever, does not even come close to being Freddy Mercury. Correct. And he's like the lead singer queen now. And it's just like, no, dude. No. And I am the queen. This is true. You are a queen. Super duper pooper trooper. You should have been in prison with, what's his name? The, we called him the Queen Bee. Yeah, I can't never remember what the hell he Richard Speck. Yep, that was it. I had to think for a minute. So, then there's a movie called Memories of Murder. It was released in 2003 in South Korea, and I don't even want to say this name. It was directed by a guy named Bong Joon-ho. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Which, I mean, if people don't know the Korean culture, Bong is his actual last name, because they always say last name first over there. Um, Anyways, and it depicted this decade-long series of murders that had not been solved yet in in Husong during the 80s. Now, this killer is organized and careful, which left little evidence behind, and he seemed to have a preference for people wearing red and white... Or perhaps just the red. So a year later, after this movie was released, it seemed that the film was being reenacted in another series of murders. The killer turned out to be, oh my God, Yu Young Chol. And I. This is like a venereal disease. Yu Young Chol. I mean, and the only reason why I know how to pronounce him is because I am practically Korean myself. Even though my son hates me saying that because I was raised in a Korean house. But in his rooms were three other movies as well. Public Enemy, Very Bad Things, and Normal Life. I'm assuming these are all Korean movies because I've never heard of them. Now, the first one featured a serial killer who preyed on the wealthy. And you was convicted of 20 murders, mostly against women and the elderly. But he he said that he had hoped to kill 100 and I like him. He's got goals. And even though we cannot be, br- I mean, 
South Korea can will not air our show podcast show because we have profanity, you know, which sucks because look at all these murders happening in South Korea. People need to know about this. Anyways, um, he he wanted to kill a hundred people and he received the death penalty. Now, then of course there's Scott's favorite movie. Well, one of them, Child's Play. Oh yeah, <laughs> Chucky. <laughs> And the bride of Chucky with your one of your favorite actresses. I love Jennifer Tilly. I know. I just love her voice. You know, she's I like everything so about funny. her. She's pretty hot. She is pretty, very beautiful. Yes. Now, I mean, I wouldn't treat her in for Drew Barrymore. Well, maybe not. It, it, it depends on the day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now check this out. Four people in England said that they were influenced by the murder. Uh, they were influenced by Child's Play when they murdered 16-year-old Suzanne Capper in 1992. Apparently, they injected her with drugs, tortured her with a pair of pliers before they set fire to the, her house. All the time, they spout, the whole time they were doing this, they quoted lines from the movie. Nice. Yeah. At least they have style. They weren't, they weren't basic bitches. You know, that's true. They didn't use arsenic. They didn't use <coughs> insulin. They didn't just, you know, smother somebody. They were, like, pretty, you know, on it like blue bonnet. And then, this is the last section I want to cover before we end this episode. But this actually takes influence from anime. Yeah, I know. Jake piped up over here. I'll get to it. Give me a minute. So Hold 20, your vagina, kid. Yeah, hold your hold your horses. So, 22-year-old Hiroyuki... I know this one. Tushita. I know this one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. He act, in June of 19, in 2003 in Japan, he used a bat to beat his mother to death. Mm-hmm. He was stopped before he went on to do the same thing to the rest <laughs> of his family. But when he was questioned by the authorities, he said the anime series Neon Genesis Evangelion... Evangelion? Oh, excuse me, Evangelion. I was, I stand corrected, people. <laughs> I know. I'm you just, sit corrected. I was giving you a hard time because I know how much you are into anime. Anyways, had given him the idea that humans should be eliminated, <coughs> so he decided to start eliminating them with his own family. <coughs> oh, see, I, I don't watch anime. So his reasoning was that once he did that, he could more easily go on to kill others, right? He wanted to practice on his family first. Hey, then, practice makes perfect, okay? Um, Can't fault the brother for that. We both know about this case. Another killer influenced by Japanese pornography and anime. Remember Sutomo Miyazaki? Yes, I do. The I little featured girl him. murderer who I, had yeah, the, um, I, yeah, this, the um, Anne Frank or... I can't remember what he had. Something with his hands. I can't remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a, a orphan syndrome or something like that. Yeah, because I, I featured him. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, um, as a boy, he was physically challenged, and thus he developed a become a loner who thrived on the fantasy world of comic books. He was had a high sex drive, and so he moved from comic books to child pornography, and reportedly had an extensive extensive collection. Amassing over a thousand videos as well as a lot of Japanese anime or live action films based on cartoons. 
Apparently, he was also influenced by horror films, especially the series of guinea pig films, which I've never heard of. And there's speculation that the second one, second movie in that series became the model for his murders. Now, Miyazaki would grab his first victim, which was a four-year-old by the name of Mary Kono, on August 22nd, 1988. And he took her to a park, photographed her, and then strangled her to death. He then undressed her, left her naked body behind while he took her clothing with him, which he also photographed. The 26-year-old man, he was 26 at the time, got away with it. So he again plotted to do it again, right? It's like, if I got away with it one time, I can do it again. Keith? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Because Keith has talked about he got away with the murder of Tanya Bennett. So it gave him more confidence to kill somebody else. No, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So driving around, Miyazaki saw a seven-year-old Masami Yoshizawa walking by herself. It was easy to talk her into getting into his car, and he returned to the same location where he killed his first victim. In fact, where that child's that child, the the four-year-old, her bones were still there because she had not been discovered yet. Now, this time, he strangled his victim, and then he had sexual contact with her and, again, walked away with her clothing, right? Then December 12th, he murdered another four-year-old girl by the name of Erica Namba. He talked her into getting in his car. He photographed her, killed her, dumped her, and was nearly caught that time, but happened to get away. That's why I have to warn my son, even to this day, not to get into strangers' cars, no matter what kind of candy they offer or anything like that. Wi-Fi or... And he goes, about Butterfingers are so good. Don't lay a finger on my Butterfinger. Kind of explains why he was walking funny, but I digreg. I digreg. Anyways. I'm speechless right now. Yeah, me too. Just continue on. I because- just don't even know. I, I have to, like, block that out right now. <laughs> so, anyways, he actually, after almost getting caught, he kept a low profile and didn't do anything for several months. Then he went out and killed again. In the meantime, though, Erica's corpse was found and witnessed described the car that had been seen in the area when she disappeared. It was a Japanese car, I bet. Uh, you You bet. You think? <laughs> Maybe. And was I it, think was that, it, what was it? Yamaha? I think it was driven Suzuki? by a Japanese man. You think so? And, and my ESP tells me he had a deformity. Yes, oh, yes, a maybe, deformity with his Maybe hands. so, maybe so. <laughs> maybe you know what? Maybe you might be right. I don't know. That's right. This is so, the great Scottiest talking. <laughs> so anyways, they described this vehicle, right? The police also found out that each of the families of these three girls received rather bizarre phone calls. And every time the phone rang and they picked it up, the person on the other end was silent. They didn't say a word. Speak Japanese to me. It turns me on like the anime. Mushy, mushy. Oh, my God. And then, (laughs) domo arigato. Domo. Texasa. (laughs) <laughs> that was an Intel commercial back in the day. So anyways, they also the families also got these very horrifically gruesome postcards with letters cut out for magazines, you know, like the old ransom things, <laughs> to form words like cold and death. Now, Mary's parents also found a box left on their 
doorstep, which contained photographs of their daughter's clothing, her teeth, and charred bone fragments. Following this was a confession that Mary had been murdered. Right? Okay, so they receive all this stuff, and then they receive a letter saying, I killed your daughter. Now, the police learned that the camera used for the photos was a tool common to printers. And and as it turns out, Miyazaki worked in the printing trade. Investigators got close, you know, were closing in on him, but did not identify him before he struck again. Now, on June 6th, he grabbed five-year-old... Dang, I hate this mouse. Um, On June 6th, he grabbed five-year-old Ayako Nomoto from a park after taking pictures of her. This body he took home and videotaped it. Clearly, he was being a little, you know, gaining more and more confidence, right? After he videotaped her, he dismembered her corpse, consumed some of her flesh, and dumped her remains in a cemetery. Now, while the corpse was found quickly and identified, he still remained free. That is, until he made his fatal mistake. In July of 1989, he... He took his victim for sushi. No, that was Isi Sagawa. Oh, (laughs) no. No, Isi Sagawa made his victim into sushi. That's true. That's And he did say that it tasted like, I mean, was like the texture of raw tuna. Remember? Oh, I like how raw tuna. If you know what I mean. I know. Isi Sagawa, like, condemned the actions of, you know, Miyazaki. Remember, too? He's like, oh, he was just a poser or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, this time he actually went up to two two sisters and only lured one of them away. Like well, you idiot! Because it's so hard to get a pair of anything in this day and age. I mean, <laughs> criminy. <laughs> the struggles we are real, folks. The struggles real. Oh my god! I need hang on. I need to drink some water. <laughs> Anywho, pretty proud of that one myself. Yeah. Anyways, while he was able to get one sister to go with him, the other one ran home to get some some help. And their father actually stopped Miyazaki as he was in the act of photographing the daughter's genitals. And the police arrived as he was running to his car. Okay? So now he's caught. Right? Once he was in custody, he gave the police a grim confession detailing (coughs) the murder of four children. Yeah, Yeah. And then... The authorities had him examined by a team of psychologists who found him legally responsible for his actions, although some other psychologists disagreed with their findings. In the end, he was found to have multiple personality disorder and schizophrenia, but was nevertheless deemed sane and given the death penalty. In 2000, early 2006, that sentence was upheld and he was executed on June 17, 2008. Now, a lot of experts disagree as to just how much films can influence a killer, but research in biology makes the idea at least plausible, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. All right. Groovy, man. Good times. Good times. Struggle's real. We covered that. Not being able to get too of anything. struggle is real. Can't get two freaking Korean girls at my house. That's right. Even if I do, I can't keep them in kennels. Shit. All right. Just don't tell Tammy because that's why Tammy <laughs> won't find you Korean women. 
All right, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Remember to get online, get onto Facebook, and join the citizens of Brutal Nation. Let's have some yep. discussions. Woo! Nice yeah, especially about these episodes because, you know. Right, because we yeah. want to hear from you. We do. We want to hear what your opinion is on these cases. Yeah, say it, say it loud, boys and girls. Say it proud. Be a serial killer. No, no, that's not a good hell message. Hell no, we won't go. Oh, okay, sorry. No, it's hell no, she won't blow. That's why I'm divorced. No, it's hell no, we won't go, and then the women burn their bras. No, hell no, she won't blow, and that's why I'm divorced. Um, <laughs> Five times. No, wait, no. Four and a half. Four and a half. I was correcting my joke. We have got to stop doing that. All right. Remember, folks, this show is copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. bastards. We will see you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.